0: We rejoice at them today. the day. Just before uh, you leave this morning, we do have a brief message we want to bring as part of our church service. We would ask that you would stay until the end. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to look at the original wedding this morning in the Bible. How many of you know that most marriages begin with high expectations? And well-meaning promises. You know, have you ever heard people say, our marriage is going to be different than other people's. We're not going to be like everybody else. And then you're confronted with life and all kinds of things happen. People have these great promises and idealistic thoughts. Uh, there was a couple that used to come and preach in the Tucson church and, and give their testimonies. And it was Bob and Patsy McCottle. He's a chaplain for the L.A. County Jail, uh, there in Los Angeles, and his wife Patsy would come, and and give give their testimonies. She came out of a background of both of them came out of gangs and heroin addiction, and God gloriously touched their lives. God opened the door for him to be a chaplain for the la county jail actually an actual employee of the la county jail and just got opened that supernatural door through his testimony but she always had a saying and she would make everybody laugh she said it's you and me until the hubcaps come off you know and so how many of you know that's like uh that's like saying this is going to be eternity we're not going back on this and marriages may begin in heaven They may begin with idealistic, you know, thoughts, but how many of you know they're worked out here on earth? And so I want to preach a message of marriage made in heaven, lived on earth. Genesis 2, verses 18 through 25 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. "'Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, "'every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam "'to see what he would call them. "'And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. "'So Adam gave names to all cattle, to birds of the air, "'and to every beast of the field. "'But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. "'And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. "'And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place.' Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined together to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This is God's original plan for marriage. You know, there is a great blessing to marriage. Now, listen, some people are able to live a single life, and the Bible actually makes room for people who. Want to live a single life Paul said in First Corinthians seven he said, "I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities uh, and how to please her husband. So there's no shame in being single. And God says you can use your singleness to serve the Lord without distraction. But for most people, most people desire to be married. It completes something in them. You know, in verses 21 through 24, it says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the the flesh in its place. Uh, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become... One flesh. And so God's desire is that we were created to have a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. A unique covenant relationship committed for life. And God saw that it was not good that man should be alone. And so he created woman out of, out of his rib. In other words, there's something that, that completes uh, the man and, and completes that relationship because he's being reunited with some, something that was taken out of him. You know, this is not taking the place of God. We know that God completes us through salvation, and you can have a fulfilling relationship without marriage. But there is something that God has designed that, that completes us, and there is a, a something that's fulfilled in us through this relationship called marriage. I saw a Hollywood interview years ago with Goldie Hahn, who has lived with her partner, Kurt Russell, for decades. I don't know why you just don't just get married. You've been living together for decades. You might as well do it. But she said, I don't want to get married because I don't need a man to complete me. I don't need a man to complete me. And so, you know, that's very uh, high, you know, high-thinking philosophy that, hey, I don't need somebody to complete me. But I'm telling you, something about marriage uh, that does complete us. It's a biblical thing. It says the two shall become one flesh. You're reunited with that rib that was taken out of you. There was a man in the Tucson church we actually did his funeral. He was an older man. And he was in his 60s. He had never married. He had built his whole life uh, uh, making his business and just was a businessman, was not really even intending to get married. And he met this woman in our church, and he, in the process, got saved, gave his life to Jesus Christ. uh, And he married this woman. And at his funeral, they were talking about his life, and they had an interview with him before he died. And he said, I didn't know I was lonely until I met you. I thought, such a powerful statement. This man had gone through his whole life. He's now in his 60s. And so he's successful. He's got money. He's got everything he wants. And he said, he met this woman. There's something in Christ in this woman that drew her to him, drew him to her, rather. And uh, he said, I didn't know I was lonely until I met you. And you know, that's true in a relationship sometimes. You meet that right person, that person that God has for you, and they fulfill something in your life, something that seems empty, something that is missing, something kicked in in this man where he wanted bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh, That's also true in a relationship with God. A lot of times that we don't know, we need salvation until we come into the presence of God. We sense something that's missing in our lives. We know that divorce is common today, and it's sometimes necessary because there's been certain violations or abuse and different things, but it's not God's original intentions. In Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 9, the Pharisees came to Jesus As they came and they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote to you this, pre- this precept. But from the beginning of the creation... God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So God designed marriage to be a lifelong relationship where they would be one flesh. Somebody said years ago that when people get divorced, they don't just separate, but they are ripped apart because they are one flesh. By the way, it's not just committing to another person. It's committing to another person of the opposite sex. Let's define that. It says, in the beginning, God made them male and female. Okay? So this isn't just marrying, you know, somebody of the same sex or, you know, whatever. This is God made them male and female. From the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. The way God designed it. There's a blessing you can experience through a committed relationship to your spouse that you can experience no other way. Mark Willis said, your marriage vows are most important in those moments when they are most difficult to keep. Another quote is, marriage is not about the wedding, it's about the years of growing together and not giving up on each other. I want will look next at trouble in paradise. Because in Adam and Eve's story, being united together in the Garden of Eden was a great day. Think about this. They're living in paradise. They're naked and unashamed. There's no sin. There's no problems. There's no issues. uh, But then they fall into sin. In Genesis 3, 6 through 10, it said, So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Man has now afraid of God. There's animosity between man and God. Man has participated in sin. He's done something God told him not to do. They both did. Everything has now changed. They are now banned from the Garden of Eden. They're now banned from paradise. They're going to enter into a whole brand new life. In the first marriage, the first sin, the blame blame game begins. Genesis 3, 11 through 13, the New Living Translation says, Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, That's why I ate it. The man said, It was my wife. The woman said, it was the devil. I mean, you know, blame game always happens when there's trouble in a relationship. But now this idealistic marriage that began in paradise has to navigate this relationship with sin involved. In Genesis 3, 16 and 17, it says, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you, and all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It says you'll work by the sweat of your brow. And so now in this marriage, there's control issues. You ever have any control issues in your marriage? Well, I think we should do this. Well, I think we should do that. There's are struggling providing for the home. By the sweat of your brow, you're having to fight against the curse of sin to provide for the home. Things get sabotaged. Money's lost. Jobs are lost. The economy goes up and down. People get fired. Marriage becomes one problem after another, and that's what you have to navigate through. Chris Rock, which I don't always approve of everything he says, he said, only married people can understand how you can be miserable and happy at the same time. I think that's, there's some real truth there. Because in your marriage, you can be intensely happy and intensely miserable at the same time. Some of you think, oh, I've, I've never been miserable. I'm, our marriage is perfect. Yeah, ask your spouse. We'll ask them and see how that goes. But God doesn't scrap marriage because of sin. So in other words, things, uh, things have been, you know, messed up because Adam and Eve sinned. But he doesn't eliminate marriage. He keeps the marriage. In Genesis 3:20 20 through 24, then, then the man, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who lived. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. The Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. <clears throat> Three quick things here. God made provision for man's sin. It says the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And we see the first place in the Bible where if sins are going to be forgiven, there's going to have to be blood because God had to slaughter animals to get those skins. In Hebrews 9, 13 and 14, says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see, through the blood of Jesus, we can be, we can be washed. We can have our sins covered this morning. Only the blood of Jesus can wash us from our sins and relieve our tormented conscience. No guilt, no shame, <clears throat> totally forgiven. You know, he says the blood of bulls and goats, they can could, they could sacrificially and, and ceremonially make you clean from sin. He said, but it couldn't deal with your conscience. It couldn't clear your conscience. You know, and the second thing we see is that God continued his destiny for Adam and Eve. It says that Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And so God's still performing his purposes through their lives. Even though now they are hampered by sin, they are sabotaged by sin, he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. So he still gave Adam something to do. Eve would enter her destiny to become the mother of all living. So God didn't stop his plan. Because sin got involved. Because sin sabotaged it. God has a plan even after sin. Excuse me. Think of the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. And it talks about the potter's house. And it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again to another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. And so here's a picture of our lives. That how many of you know that things can be going on in our lives? We can have great plans. We can have great plans for our marriage. We can have great plans for our lives, and things get messed up. Things get marred. But it says doesn't say that the potter gives up. Oh, well, that got marred. I guess I'll walk away and start to It says he immediately begins to fashion another vessel, the Bible says, as it seems pleasing to him. And so God never stops working in people's lives because there's been failure. Maybe you've had failure in your marriage. God can still work. There's still hope for your marriage. Maybe you failed in your life you sin sinned in your life. You think, oh, it's over for me. I, you know, it's too late for me to recover. It's never too late to recover. Whatever's marred in your life, God can begin to fashion a brand new life in you. He can change your life. The third thing is, is there's no going back to the way it was before. It says in this scripture, so the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. <clears throat> so in other words, Adam and Eve weren't going back to paradise. You know what happens that sabotages a lot of marriage, marriages? Marriages is the nostalgic wish of, I just wish it was like it was before. I just wish it was like it was in the beginning. So music music group Chicago had had that song back in the 70s, Only the Beginning. Let me read you some, some of the lyrics. When I'm with you, it doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing. I'm with you, that's all that matters. Time passes much too quickly when we're together laughing. When I kiss you, I feel a thousand feelings, the colors of chills all over my body. Only the beginning is what I want to feel forever. Yeah. Yes, only the beginning, what I want to feel forever. Only the beginning, just the start. How many you know, many times marriages has become nostalgic because I just want to feel what we felt in the beginning. I want to feel what I had when I was younger. You can never go back. Once sin gets involved, you can't go back to the way it was. But you can move from there onto the new thing that God has for you. See, God says, that's over. Adam and Eve, you living in paradise, uh, un, you know, uh, you know un, unbroken by sin. He said, you, you know, you're not going to experience that anymore. You have to live this new life with sin involved. I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to work in you. I'm still going to bring life from you. I'm still, I still have a destiny for you. But you can't go back to the way it was before. And there's a lot of marriages that, that are hindered because people are always looking, well, I wish it was like we was when we got married. I wish it was like it was when we were younger. Instead of thinking about the negative things in your spouse... You think about how they have been a blessing to you in your life and how you can proceed forward. See, with God, God doesn't look back. It says that he, he casts our sins in the sea of forgetfulness, that he doesn't, he doesn't remember our sins. We remember our sins. We, we remember uh, uh, things in the past, but God says he doesn't remember those things. Finally, this morning, there's hope after sin. Adam and Eve had two sons, after they send Cain and Abel, and Cain killed Abel, then Cain had to live with a curse from God. And so we see sin already affecting this relationship. But later in Genesis 4, 25 and 26, it says, Then Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh, then men begin to call on the name of the Lord. So here's this scenario. Adam and Eve have sinned. They experienced the fallout of that and their first two sons, and they experience this heartache. And then they have another son named Seth. Of course, he was a, God gave them another seed. It says, then men begin to call on the name of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that even in sin, even in setback, people begin to call upon God. And you can call upon God this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can call upon God in the midst of all your failures. In the midst of all your sins. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, uh, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Genesis 5, 1 through 4 says, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. What does this mean? This means that life went on. So here we have this idyllic beginning with adam and eve they had this picture perfect beginning to their wedding no sin living in paradise no problem with working no sweat of the brow no pain in childbirth they hadn't even experienced that yet but there was none of the curse of sin operating in their lives but now they're thrust into this new world can you imagine what it was like for them they never experienced the curse of sin. I mean, the we Bible says we're born into sin. We're born into a sinful world. We're born with a sin nature. They were, they were created in the image of God. They weren't born with that. And now they have to enter into that. And God helped them work through that. And he completed their destiny in them. Earlier I read, you know, they, I'm sure they had, they had problems. I mean, you know, there's problems in marriage. You got to work through those things. See, God can fashion something new. That earlier scripture I read in Jeremiah says, the vessel that he made was made of clay and was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. God's telling him, hey, look, I can do a new thing in you. Even as you've blown it, even as you've failed, even as you sinned and gone in your own way, he says, I can fashion something new if you'll be moldable and let me fashion you, let me help you. The lost dominion man experienced through sin is regained through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He becomes the example for our marriages. I want to read one final scripture and we'll close. But the church, as I mentioned earlier, has been described in the Bible as the bride of Christ. There's a few verses out of Ephesians 5 that talks about this unique relationship. In Ephesians 5, 22-33, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So it needs to be a sacrificial love by the husband. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. And he compares it to the relationship between himself, Jesus Christ, and his church. And just as a husband leaves his family to be joined to his wife, Jesus left heaven to give himself as a ransom for our sins, that we might have an intimate relationship with him. He says, He laid his life down for us, that he might sanctify us and wash us with the water of the word and cleanse us from all uncleanness that we might have a new life in him that we might become one flesh and one spirit with him amen let's bow our heads this morning i appreciate everyone here who stayed and we sent such a great blessing upon this marriage today it's such a wonderful thing to rejoice with william and tanya and their families that are gathered many from afar we appreciate your uh, journey and, and you taking time and the effort to be here today we are rejoicing with them but before we uh, close this service today we want to give people an opportunity maybe you're here today you do not know jesus christ as your lord and savior see william and tanya wanted jesus to be at the center of their wedding and their hope is that if you came today and you don't know jesus You don't know Him as your Savior that you could know Him today because what's made the difference in their lives is the presence of Jesus Christ. They were raised in good homes, raised in a godly way, but maybe that's not been your experience today. Maybe you were not raised in a good home. Maybe you're not raised in the... Ways of God. Maybe you grew up in sin and darkness and and you don't really know what this uh, Jesus thing is all about. You can know before you leave today. Maybe you're backslidden today. Maybe you once known the Lord and you knew what it was to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you've gone away from that today. God will help you if you'll turn your life to Him. If that's you this morning, you're unsaved, you're backslidden, you need Jesus Christ, we'd like an opportunity to pray with you. Before you leave today, this wedding, maybe you came for a wedding, but this, this day can be a total life-changing event in your life. You can't uh, ignore or deny the presence and the blessing of God upon this service and, and, and the testimonies of changed lives and all that God has done. And you can, you can experience that in your life. You can have that before you leave this place If that's you this morning, you're unsaved or you're backslidden and you need Jesus Christ, slip up your hand, put it right back down. We'd like to pray with you before you go. Slip up your hand right now. Would there be one this morning? God will help you if you'll be honest. You know, let me just say one other thing. There's marriages here. You know, you began with idealistic thoughts, and this is going to be this way, and then all of a sudden, man, things happen. There's arguments, there's, uh, you know, there's setbacks, there's financial issues, there's control issues in the home, and you begin to get uh, disillusioned about marriage. Listen, God still has a plan, and God can help you, and He can fashion something new even after it's been marred. And God still has a destiny to fulfill. Just like Adam and Eve. God didn't stop working in Adam and Eve after they fell. He didn't say, okay, that's it. This is over. We're going to do something different. He kept the institution of marriage. He kept the plan and destiny he had for their lives. And he continued on in his will and purposes, even through all the setbacks, even through the sweat of the brow, the pain in childbirth, the control issues and, and fights. And he said, I'm still working. And God can still work in your marriage this morning. Give him a chance. We're going to stand this morning, sing a worship song, and then we'll let you go. Let's just give God praise today.